Dennis Stewart joining us. Joining me, Jane Klein, and uh, what have we got on the table for today, Dennis? Well, Jane, I think we've got some very interesting topics to di- to discuss, and I uh, I'm very pleased to be able to do the program with you. I'm looking forward to this, <laughs> our first one. Together. Well, we've had some good discussions already, Jane. We so have. We can continue those as we go along. But one of the things we were talking about before we came on air is a topic that's always interesting to people, and that is when we talk about my system of medicine, as I call it, is it complementary or is it alternative? And those terms are bandied about, and I always like to make it plain to people that my view on medicine today is that medicine is an eclectic uh, practice. It is not a monopoly of any one system. We have our well-developed Western system of medicine, which we all depend on so very much. But over the last 50 or so years, there has been a renaissance of interest in what used to be referred to as alternative therapies, but which today I prefer to see as complementary therapies. That is, uh, therapies such as acupuncture, um, herbal medicine, uh, homeopathic medicine, um, those sorts of medical systems or modalities, if you like, have now become so integrated into Western uh, health practice that they're no longer to be seen as alternative they're better seen as complementary, as part of the new system that's developed. And we'll be talking about some of those as the program progresses. We'll also take your calls if you've got a question on feeling good or your health and you'd like to put it to Dennis Stewart, give us a call, 49216216, to NURFM's Health Naturally and Dennis Stewart. And uh, we were talking about complementary and uh, as opposed to alternative medicine, yes. Dennis. Um, is there times when some of the, the treatments that you've mentioned, the therapies that you've mentioned, uh, can coexist with Western medicine? Oh, absolutely. I think the whole idea of using the word complementary um, conveys the idea that the, the natural medicines, if we like, can complement uh, importantly. For a good example would be a very well-known and developing uh, condition in our society today is, is type 2 diabetes. Now, type 2 diabetes is managed at various levels by our GPs, but there is a point at which the GP or the therapist might say to the patient, look, you're on the borderline of having to go on to medication. You need to address your lifestyle, your weight, your eating habits, otherwise we'll have to go down the pathway of metformin or other medications. At that point, at that point, many people access complementary medicines as a means of working with the doctor's advice and trying to stave off having to go on to conventional medication. For instance, a good example of that would be the use of the, of the uh, vegetable bitter melon. Now, I did a lot of research on bitter melon, botanically known as Mamordica charantia. It is popularly used around the world, particularly in third world countries, as a primary treatment for type 2. What I found in my experience over the last decade was that very frequently when bitter melon powder was taken as part of the person's lifestyle change, there was a profound alteration in that person's drift towards type 2 diabetes to the extent that sometimes it's startling the way in which the inclusion of that complement to the mainstream 
can stop that person going down a medical pathway. And so for years I've encouraged my patients and listeners and my students to see that a good complement in the managing of type 2 is to use bitter melon in its various forms. I believe that using it as a powder is probably the best way of using it. And five grams of the powder once or twice a day can demonstrate over a very short period of time in many patients a considerable retreat from their blood sugar levels going up. So there's a good example of complementary medicine. And would that be for a limited time, taking the no, powder? No, I think here, here again, if, if you've been given a diagnosis of type 2, it indicates there's a drift in your general health towards that direction. And so vigilance, in my opinion, is the way to go. And if it means, as many of my patients do, uh, if it means taking bitter melon powder ongoingly as a supplement, say like a vitamin C shot each morning, um, it's not a big deal. It's not expensive. It becomes part of their lifestyle. And um, it's ongoing. I I don't encourage people to see it in any way at all as a cure, far from it, but as part of a complementary approach which lessens the drift towards medical management. And the health and uh, the fitness and uh, Oh, that's all got to go with it. Changes it, um, Dr. Um, Sandra Cabot, uh, uh, interesting lady, uh, a very good general practitioner, studied conventional medicine, but then went on to study naturopathy, and she has written a number of very, very good books on health topics. And I consider her book on type 2 diabetes as one of the best books for the ordinary person to read. And in that book, a lot of what I'm saying now would be articulated, particularly with reference to the herbs, say, bitter melon. And there are other herbs that function as complements that Sandra takes up. Is there a natural alternative to some of our conventional medical treatments? Well, I believe there are. Uh, we've already uh, emphasised the, the way in which a lot of natural medicines function as complements, but a good example, perhaps, of where we could say a natural medicine is an alternative is when we look at the area of, say, inflammatory diseases. Um, now, a lot of people with arthritic conditions um, are treated medically with what are known as non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, and they work particularly well, uh, but there is a downside to them. Um, what we've found is that there are a number of natural substances that are very competitive, and one of those is an extract of turmeric. Turmeric is, is one of the constituents of curry, um, but it also contains a chemical constituent known as curcumin. Now, curcumin is storming the world as an alternative, a very competitive alternative anti-inflammatory medication. So there's an example of where perhaps in the not-too-distant future we might find even uh, medical scripts, not just naturopathic scripts, medical scripts being given for preparations of curcumin as an alternative anti-inflammatory. So there's some good examples. Mm. Well, we're taking your call. We were taking your calls. In fact, we are taking your calls. And Gloria has rung in from Miller's Forest. And Gloria's asking, Dennis, is there any long-term effect from using magnesium oil when massaging? Look, um, I'm not a great um, expert on mineral therapy. I do know of the use of, of magnesium oil. I would think that if one is using a topical preparation of a mineral, it would be difficult to see it having any long-term consequences. Um, what I would always suggest is that 
anything that's being used medically or naturopathically uh, should be used with knowledge. And I say this to listeners and to practitioners of natural medicine. If you are using something, maybe as simple as a magnesium oil in the context of massage, you nevertheless need to be aware of what to expect from the preparation, i.e. its potential benefits, and you also need to know things like, for instance, are there long-term consequences? Is this substance likely to cause irritation if it's persevered with for too long? I doubt very much with reference to the magnesium product, but it's always useful to take on board what I've said. If you're using something, you must use it intelligently with an understanding of how to use it and also with an understanding of when to stop using it and what are perhaps potential problems in using it, even topically. Are you there, Gloria? Yes, yes. Yes. Does that answer your question? It certainly does. Thank you very much. You're using it yourself, are you, Gloria? No, we've been. My husband and I've been having um, massages regularly, and the young lady that's um, the massage has just last week started with the magnesium oil, and she mm. feels that it would um, be beneficial to both of us. Mm. And um, my husband questioned her and said, "What's the long-term effects on you mm. if you're going to be using this all mm. the time?" Mm. Yeah. Look, I think getting getting back to what I said, I think it's a a very safe product, but I'm sure you appreciated where I was coming from, that anything that's used must be used with acute knowledge. Mm -hmm. Uh, For instance, if you were using something, say, that had a capsicum base, Mm -hmm. and there are many topical preparations used for muscular and skeletal problems that are based on capsicum, Mm -hmm. you need to be uh, really um, alive as to the possible or the potential irritation that could come mm-hmm. from the continued use of capsicum-based products. So that spills over. Uh, even some, Something that's based on a natural thing, even a vegetable or a herb, unless it's used wisely and intelligently, may have the potential for irritation. Okay. Keep your eyes open, I dare say. Thank you, Gloria. And uh, Ian rang in too, Dennis, and yes. he was interested in the name of the product you were talking about with diabetes. Ian's just oh, okay. wanted his question asked. Yes. Look, um, you know, I was talking about uh, uh, the product Bitter Melon, uh, and Bitter Melon is available from health food stores in Newcastle, Vitology health food stores, that's at Warner's Bay and Westfield, stock the product, I suspect there are others. Um, bitter Melon is just labelled frequently Bitter Melon, um, and... If you look for a package with a green label on it, um, that uh, it'll have the words bitter melon on it. It's very economical. Um, you could just hunt round your health food stores. I always say to listeners, if you're not able to procure anything that I mention on the program, you can always procure it from my rooms at 39 Alma Road, New Lambton. Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart for our sponsor, New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre. And we're taking your calls on things to do with health and naturalness. Mm. And uh, Dennis, we were talking earlier about bitter melon powder Mm. and um, I was wondering about compounds, uh, whether there are, in natural medicines, whether there are extra compounds that are put in. For the turmeric, for example, you didn't just take a spoonful of turmeric powder. Mm. Well, well, interestingly, um, turmeric can be used um, just as a powder. It's it's quite interesting the, the way in which that uh, that herb, turmeric, and it is a herb. Uh, I'm not sure listeners appreciate that turmeric is the yellow component, say, in curry. But um, uh, interestingly, 
that particular herb on its own has been recommended in recent times by two Canadians, um, Bellevue and Gingra, two Canadian PhDs that are working in cancer research in Quebec. And in their book, Foods That Fight Cancer, these two PhD specialists who've written a very credible book on the relationship of certain foods to inhibiting cancer development, in the in their discussion on turmeric, they actually encourage it to be used just as a crude powdered herb, interestingly taken in conjunction with something like black pepper. And uh, in, their, in their book, they recommend a useful amount of turmeric to be taken as an agent to fight against perhaps a certain cancers in the system would be, say, five grams of a compound based on turmeric, but also appended to it to black pepper, black pepper assisting in the actual uptake of the constituent of turmeric. So turmeric, even on its own, is used and, and, and spooned, if you like, as a, as a food. But interestingly, as I said earlier, one of the major chemical constituents within turmeric is called curcumin. And these days, for anti-inflammatory effects, curcumin is isolated from the herb and very frequently administered on its own as, as an extract of uh, turmeric. And it's a very successful and competitive anti-inflammatory for, for milder levels of arthritic and rheumatic conditions. So an interesting herb can be used compounded, say, with black pepper as part of a dietary program, and I'd encourage listeners to try to get hold of that book. It's easily obtained. You can Google it up, um, Foods That Fight Cancer by the two Canadians, Gingras and Bellevue. Uh, they use it primarily as a food. Modern phytopharmaceuticals, which is the technical name for plant-based medicines these days, use it uh, as the basis of extracting curcumin for, for a, a, a different approach for addressing inflammatory syndromes. So it's a very interesting way in which in, in the modern world some of the oldest herbs known to mankind, and remember turmeric has been used in, in Indian or Ayurvedic medicine for thousands of years. It's very interesting in the modern world how there is a resurgence of interest in some of the oldest of all herbs we've used, and from those herbs we're now finding a credible explanation as to why traditional systems of medicine like Ayurveda have used these herbs for thousands of years. It's a fascinating topic, actually. You can talk about it all yes. day. So it sounds like mm. um, uh, encouragement to eat more curries, more, Indian, well, more of the Indian uh, well, diet. Well, there's, there's a good argument to suggest that that, that um, dietary emphasis explains why a lot of Asian people are relatively free of a lot of the congestive conditions that Anglos experience. Uh, and, and, and many of these... Uh, Asian countries, as you know, are very smoky and polluted. But yet, interestingly, a study by the World Health Organization demonstrated that the inclusion of hot herbs in the diet, as in a curry or as in or using chilies, has a significant effect on the respiratory system and explains why in these countries where many people smoke, you don't see the level of respiratory disease that you would expect. And a lot of that is put down to the way in which the diets in these country use these particular herbs that have a benefit on organs prophylactically against certain diseases. So it's, it's interesting. We go right back to, to the uh, philosopher 
um, of the Greeks who said, you know, food is your best medicine. And we use that glibly, but in a sense, many of our foods are medicines. It's as basic as that. Many of our foods are medicines. Well, I suppose that's where it all started. People found things in forests and fields mm. and picked them, and I don't know how, how they worked out what was going to be good. but By experiment. This is Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart, and we're taking your calls on 49216216. And John has rung in from Tookley. Now, John, you've got a question for Dennis? For Dennis? Hello. Yes, good afternoon, Dennis. Hello, John. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Good, I'm reading on behalf of my wife. Yes. Uh, listening to your program last week, yes. you were talking on uh, of Carver. Yes. Uh, so she purchased some yesterday. She yes. hasn't been sleeping too well. Yes. And on the bottle, it states um, one tablet twice daily with yes. food. Yes. And the lady in the shop uh, advised after talking to us that uh, half an hour before bedtime. Yes. Would that be... Uh... Yes. In fact, the, the, the um, carver is a very safe herb when used properly, but right. in order to get an anti-insomnic effect, A, you do need to take um, a correct level of it, and what I frequently say to my patients is start off by taking, say, one tablet about half to an hour before you go to bed, now, those, uh, most tablets are very conservatively dosed, and it's not uncommon for me to say to a patient who may not do well on just one tablet, look, try two at right. night before you go to bed. But very many people get a pleasant result just by taking the one tablet, by, but take it, say, half to an hour before you go to bed. Right. And uh, would she... Uh Try, how long would she try that, actually, okay. Okay. Look, to get a, a good result? Okay, Look. again, I come back to it. Carver is, is a very well-defined and very well-understood herb, but um, there are three levels of its activity. In most of the literature, you will find that there, uh, Carver has an anti-anxiety effect at a particular level, it has yeah. an anti-depressional effect at a particular level, and it has an anti-insomnic effect at a particular level. Now, um, the anti-insomnic effect tends to be up a little bit. What I suggest you do, and I say this to listeners generally, um, if you are not getting a good result, it's probably dose-related. If you like, John, what you can do is ring my rooms on Monday, and I'll give you a number to ring, 2-1. Now, my receptionist there, I may not be there, but my receptionist will give you the dosage from the literature relative to insomnia, which will clarify further any dosage uh, stipulations on the product that you're using. And, right. and, and it's one of these herbs that if it's going to do anything, if prescribed in the right dosage, it usually does it fairly promptly. And I've, I've used carver myself, but I'm a fairly big guy, so I have to yeah. take usually a bit yeah, more. Yeah, the, the wife's very small. Okay. Uh, well, then, thin. okay. Well, in that situation, you'd be well advised to work to the lower level. But yeah. again, I come back to the point, ring my rooms on 49562321, um, and that goes to any listener that wants information from the program, and the clinic will give you, from the literature, the anti-insomnic dosage uh, spectrum. Thank you very much, Dennis. Thank you. Good. Appreciate good. that very much. Good on you. Pain. People discover, we were talking earlier about 
plants and things since time immemorial yeah. that have been used as medicines. Mm. Um, what about painkillers? There's an old one. Well, of course, the, the, probably the oldest herb that's ever been used for the management of pain is the willow bark. A lot of people probably don't realise that aspirin is a derivative of the constituents found in willow bark. And it's quite interesting that in Germany in particular today, there's a resurgence of interest in just using uh, sophisticated willow bark preparations rather than using aspirin-based preparations because they've found that the crude salicylic acid that's contained in the willow bark and other herbs, whilst it has a very, very well-defined and useful effect, that actually in the herb itself, getting back to your point on compounding, other constituents working with the main active give seemingly at times a better result in some conditions without less problems. So willow bark is bouncing back, having been used for thousands of years. It's bouncing back in modern herbal medicine just used as a herb. Interesting. And I think we might have another caller here. Hello. 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 Um, your name is? Judith. Judith, and you've got a question for Dennis, have you? Yes. I'd like to know actually how much you have to use of the turmeric or curcumin. Okay. Look, again here, um, with the with the turmeric, uh, there would be, if you're using it as a food, um, the, the recommendations of Gingras and, and Bellevue that I mentioned earlier was what they would refer to as a teaspoonful, which would be about five grams, uh, mixed with a small amount of black pepper, and that would be taken daily to achieve what they sought to achieve in the book that they wrote, Food That Fights Cancer. Now, if you're using curcumin-based products, you must be governed by the label on that because various products and various companies have curcumin-based products uh, in various dosage forms. And if it's being used as a medication... Uh, rather than as a food, dosage is important, and under the therapeutic goods legislation in this company, in this country, a curcumin-based product would have to have a dose uh, consistent with the expectation of government and authorities for it, that product to be able to give an effect. So I guess what I'm saying is, if you're going to use curcumin as a medicine, uh, you need to look at the label and follow the guidelines of dosage there because those dosages would have to coincide with what is accepted by regulatory authorities. So it would help osteoarthritis then? Yes, look, it, what, what it would do, uh, with reference to your osteoarthritis, I'll make a few comments. Um, with osteoarthritis, you may or may not have tried um, products uh, based on, on glucosamine and chondroitin. I don't know how, if you have. If, yeah. you, if you haven't, You've not tried them? No, I haven't. Okay. You have osteoarthritis? Yes. Okay. And very bad scoliosis. Okay. It could be your lucky day because what we're going to do is send you from the station a container of a product that I developed called Glucosaplex, and it's free of charge to you. And the the Glucosaplex product contains a glucosamine and chondroitin, the New Zealand green lip muscle, and other things that make it one of the most outstanding representations of the glucosamine effect. If you just hang on, my producer will get your name and address and will send to you from my clinic in New Lambton on Monday, free of charge, a container of glucosamine and you can, a glucosaplex, and you can get back to me and let me know how you go. But secondly, um, with reference to your curcumin, curcumin could give you a more prompt relief of pain 
whereas the glucosaplex containing glucosamine, chondroitin and other things may give you a progressive improvement in the joint structure and the destructive effects on cartilage. Two working together, in my opinion, could do a lot for you. So it could be your lucky day today. Thank you. You're, you're getting some could it help scoliosis as well? Well, do you think? I think they might be stretching it a bit. It might be. Okay. Able, it might be able to help uh, some of the degenerative act- activity. Put it okay. this way: I, I had a, a gentleman into my rooms last Thursday, no, last Monday, who has been using my glucosaplex now for many, many years, and he has actually seen joint rehabilitation profoundly occur as a result of working with the glucosaplex. You hang on. Stay on the line, Judith, and we'll sort that out. Uh, we're getting close to the we end indeed, of today's we program, Health Naturally, we with have Dennis we've covered, Stewart. A, we've covered a fair amount of ground, haven't we? We have indeed, and look forward to a, um, another session next Friday after the midday news on 2NURFM.